Welcome to The Modern White Man, the podcast where myself, Ken Lawrence, and me, Paul Johnson, discuss how to be a modern white man who is anti-racist, anti-sexist, and understands his role in creating an equitable society. We unpack our identity as white men by having honest, open, and sometimes difficult and uncomfortable conversations about being a white man, where we come from, our place in today's society, and roles to play moving forward as allies, leaders, and individuals who care about creating an equitable society for all. All right, Paul, here we are in our seventh installment of working through our identity process. This episode, we are going to talk about cultural roots and how that can have an impact on our identity. Yeah, so before shifting to culture, last episode we wrapped up our conversation around gender. So we defined the difference between sex, gender, and gender identity, and discussed the idea of traditional masculinity and how that can become toxic in today's context. So then we both unpacked in real time how we identify our own identity with masculinity and how we have ways that both align and differ from the traditional sense of masculinity. So my biggest takeaway was, you know, I really, I really liked the last episode. I listened to it several times you know it was just so refreshing to have an open conversation with another man about the fact that we are free to express our masculinity in ways that feel right to us it really felt like walls and barriers broke down that keep men in a box you know i think we also did a great job of defining what toxic masculinity is and how it shows up and you know it's not just perpetuated in men who hunt lift weights smoke cigars or drive a big truck even though those things fall under the category of traditional masculinity quote-unquote, it's not toxic as long as those individuals don't impose their masculinity on others or shame other men who don't care for those things. You know, for me personally, I'm not a hunter. I'm not like a big weightlifting person trying to get buff. I don't drive a big truck. I uh, don't fit into those boxes necessarily. But as long as those individuals don't impose that on me and respect the way that I live out masculinity, then, then we're good. You know, I just overall felt a big sigh of relief and a weight taken off my shoulders. I feel completely free to express myself as a man. You know, that means that I do some things that are considered to be masculine, again, quote unquote masculine, like play sports, go fishing or drink whiskey, but also do things that may be considered quote unquote feminine. So work in a helping profession, do crafts or cook. And, you know, I have a seven week old daughter. There's going to be a lot of things to come. That's going to be, you know, tea time and playing (laughs) with dolls. And, you know, I'm already really excited to do those things and not feel like I'm, you know, stepping out of my quote unquote manliness to do those things. Mm -hmm. So it just, I mean, it just makes me feel like I can simply live my life and pursue anything that interests me um, rather than being constrained by gender roles. You know, it makes me wonder, do men have more privilege in doing that than women? That's a good question. That question really was my biggest takeaway, too, along the lines of, firstly, it was just a really open, honest conversation that we had. It was really raw, and I think it's good to do that because that's how men should have these conversations. Just find a friend or two and say, hey, you know, have you ever felt in any time that you've been pressured to be a man or pressured to show these enhanced traits of masculinity when it hasn't felt comfortable and You can kind of see, I think both you and I have experienced that having that conversation was really beneficial. I've really thought a lot about our conversation since. There have been instances where I've been like 
you know, this is, I think, traditional masculinity. This is a nature thing inside me mm. that I have to suppress. You mm. know, I've started to notice times like that, which has been really beneficial, actually. Mm. Like, for example, road rage that I had like a few weeks ago. Where I was like, okay, Ken, just like calm down. This is unnecessary. Or, you know, that's a that's a side of masculinity that I don't want to, to have control over you or mm. whatever. I've just thought a lot about it in different situations. But with that, to your last point, I think that we do, as men, have the privilege to decide how we do and do not want to be mm-hmm. masculine. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. You know, if you, th- I've thought a lot about women and transgender people and non-binary and people on the gender spectrum who they can try to break out of that mold, but society is really restraining them. And and you think about women, for example, you know, they've been forever trying to break down these stereotypes. But, you know, because it's so institutional, it would prevent women from doing certain jobs or it would prevent women from doing something that they'd want, how they want to express themselves. And men don't have those constraints. So Another thing that we can do as men and as we're exploring our masculinity is think about how that is in a patriarchy Mm -hmm. and how we should support other genders to also try to break out of those norms and know that they don't really have the privilege that we do in being able to decide exactly how they want to go about things. I've just been thinking a lot about that. Well, yeah, I mean, even just what I mentioned before, like I have chosen or did choose a helping profession for most of my career that was a pretty easy pathway for me, you know, just as much as like becoming a doctor or a lawyer would be very easy. Like I'm a white male, like people would be like, oh yeah, that's what you're probably meant to do, mm-hmm. you know, but I could then choose to just like, oh, I'm going to go over to helping profession. But for women, it's a completely different story, right? right? They're, you said institutionalized, like pushed into helping professions. And if they would try to become a doctor or a lawyer, it'd be very challenging, yes. right? There'd be a lot of barriers to yeah, that. That we would never have. Right, right. So so that the, the mobility that we have as men to move around, you know, we're talking about careers in this case, but just gender roles is, is much more fluid. Because again, we have privilege being male. Right. We have that mobility, um, but women, it's a different story. Yeah, that was a great conversation that we had. I enjoyed doing that and excited for today as well. Because today we're talking about culture and we're shifting gears a bit for how that impacts our identity. You know, we've talked about race at length. We've talked about gender now. And then there's this whole culture idea. And you mentioned a couple of episodes ago about how there is no white or black culture. And I think that's important. You know, if we only identify as white or as a white man, we are missing some depth there. And especially being American, culture is an extra confusing thing. You know, American culture, quote unquote, is really difficult to define because we are such a melting pot of a country. And with the exception of indigenous peoples who make up about 2.4% of this country, our ancestors were all immigrants at one point. So our roots all come from different places that represent different cultures. Plus, the U.S. is huge, and we have cultures within our own country. You know, the East Coast culture is different from the South, which is different from the Midwest, different from the West Coast. So really, you know, what are our individual cultures? What do we identify with? And I'm personally excited for this conversation because I haven't done a ton of meaningful cultural identity work. I have known where my ancestors come from, generally speaking, but haven't really thought about how that impacts me and my identity. And Paul, you mentioned something to me off air that's really interesting, that 
having a deeper understanding of our cultural identity is an important component to overall well-being, that it creates a sense of belonging, connection, security. So as we are working on our identity as white men, how should we think of our culture and why is that important? Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, white men is very limiting. Like white is an adjective in that, right? Defining us by race. And as we've already talked through at length, like race is a construct. It's a invented thing to oppress people, essentially. And that's the thing. Its main goal is to oppress people of color, essentially, or oppress other people for economic gain and power, right? Because even like, you know, just I'm sure you already know this, but I just learned the other day, like there was one point when the Irish were considered non-white. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like they were clearly white, but the, the definition of white was was changed later on in order to include these Irish folks, even though before that they were considered non-white. So so the whole idea of race is just is ridiculous. Right. right. So so even like even right there, like to have to be defined or identity be defined by a construct, something that's made up and that doesn't even make sense. Like that doesn't do much for us to create a positive identity. Yeah. So but clearly, you know, let me be very, very clear. This isn't an attempt to deny that we're white or deny our racial identity. Yes, it's a construct, but clearly it's a real thing. But essentially what I'm trying to say is there's so much more to our identity than our race. Yeah, we happen to construct race and layer it on to ethnicities and cultures in a very just haphazard way. You know, to your point, I mean, yeah, it was totally constructed, but it has real consequences every single day. Right. There needs to be more to our identity than than whiteness. And that's what this episode's about is to really dig into more than that. Yeah. So but let me let me. First, say before we move on too much that neither, neither me nor you are anthropologists. No, we haven't done at length long study of culture, right? In the grand scheme of things, you know, I really have a limited understanding of culture. So I'm just going to ask right now for any sort of forgiveness for any <laughs> sort of ignorance as we as we dive into culture. And so, in, in most of what I share and talk about, and what what we're going to talk about really comes from resources found on on the internet you've heard of the internet right it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's i've new, used it a new couple times things. yeah um, I d- i've never I, used the internet with my research i just no well, no it's just all natural knowledge <laughs> <laughs> i i do ask jeeves all the time yeah. that's where i get everything yeah is that still around it's probably not around anymore no that, that probably died out a long time ago <laughs> but um anyway um ask jeeves <laughs> do you remember that barely yeah yeah, yeah. um a lot of, so a lot of it actually came from a website of uh, a company called Team Dynamics, which is a, a people of color, women, and LGBTQ plus consulting company in the Twin Cities area, which where we're, we're um, recording this from. I highly recommend checking them out. They do a podcast called Behave, and then they do consulting work, DEI consulting work, just stellar work. Um, so let me, I just want to do a plug. They didn't pay me, so <laughs> this is this is totally um, on my own doing. They're just a really great organization. So let's first start off by differentiating race, ethnicity, and culture, because those are three very different terms. So we've already defined race in depth in this podcast with its origins and how it's a social construct. But simply put, race is based on similar physical and biological attributes, you know, essentially how one looks. But even as I mentioned before, even that's a, kind of a, a joke because the Irish who were looked white, right, had white attributes, were even considered non-white at some mm-hmm. point. So again, just an idea that race is just sort of a, a farce, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that, but it we also know that it exists and it has real consequences. And then as we already established, race is also ascribed to individuals based on the dominant group because it's an invented construct. 
Did you know, in addition to the Irish not being considered white or white enough at one point, in our country, people would argue in front of the Supreme Court to try to get themselves to be labeled mm. white. Mm. Like, I wish I could remember specific cases off the top of my head. I can't, but I know one of the famous ones was regarding Indian, like from the country of India, mm-hmm. who were making the case that they should be granted whiteness, essentially, that they should be like labeled as white. And you're arguing in front of white judges about why you should be white. And if, let's say, in a five to four vote, they said, yeah, you're white enough, all of a sudden that opens all these doors for you. I mean, if there is any better example of how ridiculous the concept of race is, I can't think of one. Well, it shows even way, way back then people clearly knew the privileges of being white and knew the advantages of being white. It wasn't secret. Right. Yeah, and and way, way back, this was like 1920s, unless I'm pretty sure it was like the 1920s. It's just wild. Yeah. And race was, you know, somewhat in the grand scheme of things, still a pretty new concept. But people caught on very quickly. Yeah. And yeah, did everything they could to fit in in whiteness. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's controlled by, you know, a small percentage of people who are who are white and European background. And they, at the end of the day, control. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, even get to determine who's white and who's not. So Just let that set in. Yeah. Like, like clearly that these are make people it, yeah. sitting here listening to somebody trying to convince them that they're white and they're going to like debate and decide i mean it's just it's all it almost seems not real but that that really happened yeah it's just i mean it proves that it's it's an invented construct yeah right like if it's natural then no one no human gets to decide you know the rules so so then there's ethnicity so ethnicity encompasses nationality language and culture it's largely determined by where a person comes from. So ethnicity is is more inherent, and no one can really argue your ethnicity because you are from that country. You do speak that language, right? Now, culture is very difficult to pin down and define because it's fluid and always changing. Generally, culture is the shared characteristics, knowledge, beliefs, rules of conduct, and traditions within a particular group. The key word here is shared. For something to be truly a part of the culture, all people or the vast majority within that group should agree with or embody the particular feature of their culture. Another way of defining culture is that it is, quote unquote, the way we do things around here. So that's why white culture or black culture, there is no such thing as that because you could have two people identify as white, even you and me, have very different beliefs or even speak a different language or have different practices and traditions. So clearly we don't share the same culture, but we both are white. Mm -hmm. Right. And the same thing goes for any other race. You could have a black person, two black people who have very different cultures, but obviously they they share the same race. Um, To take another level, there are elements of culture that are both above the surface or in awareness and below the surface or out of awareness. So cultural elements that are in awareness are things like art, clothing, and food. Cultural elements that are out of awareness are things like communication style, conflict resolution, and facial expressions. Now, of course, you can build awareness around those things, but but most of the time those are harder to pick up, and it really takes intentional effort to notice those things. So like Midwest culture with conflict resolution is super indirect, super passive-aggressive, and then you have Midwesterners go to the East Coast where conflict resolution is far more direct straight to the point and as a minnesota boy i might be like that person's really rude i'm in, mm-hmm. i'm insulted but that's not the way they think it's just that's the way that they resolve their conflicts right. whereas 
if they came here and we just did our Minnesota roundabout way of conflict resolution, they might be like, were they trying to put something over me? I, I, that wasn't clear. They didn't follow through really with what they said. It's like an example even within the United States of how the different cultures there with conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times we don't realize that that's, there's a cultural difference there. We just are like, well, that person doesn't get it. Right. right. That person's rude. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. That person's rude. Whereas they're they're acting upon their culture and, and their beliefs and their traditions and their values. So simply put, race is based on how you look. Ethnicity is based on where you come from. And culture is based on how you behave. Now, that's a, those are very simplified definitions but just to kind of give you a a simple way of thinking about it and there's also some ways with how you look folds into ethnicity right where Mm -hmm. if you're part germanic or scandinavian or east african that does have an impact on the way your facial structure is and you know you think of scandinavians think tall blonde right And, and those kind of things so that there is the way you look in ethnicity too right true because it's where you come from. And clearly that's where white and black came from. Like white people traditionally settled in areas where there's very little sun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, white people also have narrower noses and, and that sort of thing. And then black people traditionally settled in Afri- Africa where there's lots of sun, lots of heat. And so that, that changed facial structures, right, which influenced race. Um, but it also is clearly influenced by ethnicity. Right. And and those things are, are real and different. And... We just layered on racial categories right. on top of them to create a racial hierarchy, right. which we've talked about. Right. Yeah. Essentially, you know, Europeans capitalized on those differences to, to justify the slave trade, right. to justify economic inequalities and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they basically made that up out of, you know, ethnicity. Right. You know, the best example that I always think of that is I pull from my Peace Corps experience when I lived in Guinea in West Africa. And what happened when the Europeans started the slave trade, colonizing and throughout the years, they just carved out these countries and they had no local knowledge. They didn't think about the local populations. And so they carved out these countries Mm -hmm. and they split up ethnic groups. And so in Guinea, for example, where I lived, you had the Susu and you had the Pular and you had the Malinke. And like I lived among the Pulls. And they all had animosity towards one another and they all had different cultures. And they, you know, the Malinke lived in the desert area. I lived in the poles with the poles in the mountainous area. And then you have Susu who lived on the, the coastal, really humid area. And they all had different food they ate, different ways that they dressed. They had different facial structures and they had animosity towards one another. Like you talk about voting in politics. It's like Malinke vote for Malinke, Pular vote for Pulls, and Susu vote for Susu. And I saw such an apparent, you know, firsthand experience of the friction that that causes because it takes into no consideration all the different ethnicities and cultures Whereas we just lumped everybody together in one big black race so that we could create this racial hierarchy. That's always something that helps me think of the differences between the three. Well, I think a really important point that I want to draw out of what you're talking about, too, is that like the fear of difference or the 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 hatred of difference is not a white thing. Mm -hmm. it, It transcends race. It existed before race. So I think that, you know, that is really important. And I'm not absolving white people at all for the evil that has been done, right? Out of capitalizing off a difference and, you know, all that stuff. But what I am trying to say is, you know, a lot of the guilt that we have as white people comes from thinking that, like, white people invented this. 
mm-hmm. invented like xenophobia and invented oppression. That's not true. Like oppression and all this existed well before race was invented. Yeah. It's a human thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I'm not absolving white people. I'm not saying that we, oh, we can now be like, oh, I don't need to feel guilty right. at all for what we've done or I continue to do. Mm-hmm. But it is something that I feel like is not talked about and is sort of glossed over a lot that like they were people of all races before race existed oppressing each other and enslaving each other and all that right like that's just the way things are it's the way unfortunately humans are right but yeah anytime there's difference there's the opportunity for fear and there's the opportunity for hatred which will create you know a lot of evil stuff that that comes from that yeah humans just need belonging yeah and with belonging comes who doesn't belong it's just such a natural thing yeah. for us humans to have a type of animosity towards others it, you're yeah. right it doesn't matter how we set it up and, and you know the really important thing too as we get into a conversation about culture is that there's no one culture that's better than the other culture and all cultures have good and bad things about them. Um, but just want to say ahead of time that there's no such thing as a superior culture, as just as there is no such thing as a superior race. Right. Right. Culture just is. There's good and bad features to both. And then it's our ability to notice and accept differences that makes us able to communicate well and work well with other cultures. And as you mentioned, when when we're not able to do that, it creates war, it creates division, it creates unrest, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that, let's you and I talk about our culture, our ethnicity, and how that impacts our identity. You know, because I am going into this honestly curious if this will have an impact on how I currently think of myself. And I think of myself as a white American man. Like, that's the depth of my culture identity. So I'm curious, like, if digging back or thinking deeper, how that will impact my identity. So we both did a little prep work for this conversation, right? We looked through our ancestral roots and talked to a family member about it. Do you want to start kind of talking about your roots and your culture and what you learned? Sure, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. I I had a lot of conversations with my parents. Um, They provide a lot of different resources about where my answers came from and um, the other countries of origin. And we just had a really great conversation one day around the cultural differences between like my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. So my dad's side of the family is very Scandinavian, maybe a little English. And then my mom's side of the family is actually very influenced by Italy, Mm. very Italian. And so you had a lot of stark differences in cultural, um, especially communication style, right? You know, Norwegian's a little more a little more passive. We talked about sort of like that they're they're more high context, like storytelling in a linear fashion, whereas Italian is low context and talking in circles. Oh yeah. And so there's like this really clear differences there. Greetings was a there's a big difference there. Greetings in Scandinavian is just is not a lot of hugging. It's just sort of like, hey, how's it going? Maybe a handshake. Sometimes I'm hug or maybe more like male to female hugging, mm. whereas Italian's very affectionate, very expressive. Uh, religion, Italian's very uh, Catholic influenced, and sort of all the cruci- crucifixes, Palm Sunday. Scandinavian is very congregational. So yeah, we just talked a lot about it, a lot of differences in culture, but yeah, it just really helped me. Like kind of what you you know what you were alluding to, it opened up my identity so much mm. bigger. Mm. You know, made me feel more of a holistic, dynamic person than just being white. Um, and then, yeah, I think American is, of course, I am American. I was born in America, but I feel like 
you know, again, is there a real American culture? I mean, many would argue no, because it's like you said, very much a melting pot. Whereas other countries like Sweden, Norway, it's very homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a lot of, it's not very influenced by immigrants. So it's a very homogenous culture. Um, and I'm not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, very far removed from my ancestors who immigrated here. So when did they immigrate, do you know? You know, I should know the answer to that, but I don't know yeah. um, the answer to that. But, you know, I'd say three or four generations ago, okay. you know, so definitely there's there's cultural traditions and beliefs that have been passed down that I still embody because those those take a while for for them to sort of be filtered out, if you will. But yeah, I think, you know, my biggest takeaway was like, oh, OK, so I don't have to when we talk about identity in the race, racial or cultural lens. I don't need to only think about it as being white. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, thinking about Sweden, Norway, Italy, like I can look at those cultures, you know, it's good and bad to those cultures. They've, for the most part, done just like any other culture, some good things, some bad things. Mm-hmm. But it's not just like, like white is just plastered, in my mind, plastered with bad and evil and shame and guilt. Hmm. Whereas when I can think about my ancestors and the country and the origins, I can like look at those things in a more like neutral way and be like, actually, there's some things I'm proud of. Like there's some things about Norwegian culture that's kind of cool. I was you know? curious about that. Like between the two, do you tend to be like, "Ooh, I'm kind of more proud to be Italian," or I want <laughs> like I like I like this trait from Norway, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I really, you know, my mom brought over like a. I mentioned that I like architecture. Yeah, and she brought over a book of like Norwegian architecture, and I was like, "It was really cool." Cool. And I just like looking through that, I was like, it just kind of softens you up, right? Of, of my identity, I'm like, "Hey, there's some real cool things about Norwegian culture, and therefore me." right that i've been influenced by mm. or it can be like hey i'm i'm norwegian that's kind of cool yeah right right whereas like as we've talked about like it's really hard to say like oh i'm white that's kind of cool yeah like, right no, no. like that, that <laughs> doesn't no work depth. as well no there's no depth so you know and then italian i, I mean i i i definitely identify with some italian sort of ways of communicating and being a little bit more expressive and a little bit more maybe like conflict rather than some of the conflict averse of like the the scandinavian cultures and mm. so I'm kind of proud of that. Like, hey, it's I feel proud that like Italians get stuff out on the table. Like, yeah, let's talk about this stuff, and we don't need to like walk away feeling hurt. You know, so I start to look at these some of these features of both uh, of the cultures that have influenced me and who I am, and kind of feel proud about it. Mm. You know, and and that just really kind of opens and it's kind of like I said, softens my identity to be like I don't need to feel fully ashamed of who I am. And even when we talk about whiteness, like. You know, we've we've said this, like we're not responsible for creating whiteness. Right. You know? Yeah. We are of course responsible for do we perpetuate it? Do we continue to take advantage of it? Of course we're responsible for that. But like are we actually responsible for creating the concept? No. Mm-hmm. And so, but but yeah, overall it was just it was it made me feel like a more rounded out person, if that's the right word, or there's more depth to who I am. Yeah. Right. How does that does it conflict with your identity as American or how does it like your roots going pre-American days kind of mix with your however we describe our American culture you and I probably have similar American culture we're from white Midwest cold winters all those things like how does how do they mesh together well I just again kind of going back to the definition of culture like I don't think there's such thing as an American culture because again culture means it's shared by everyone so therefore, like, do we share, does everyone in America share the same traditions, beliefs? Like, no, of course not. So in my opinion, and people can disagree and that's fine, but I, I don't think American culture exists. 
Um, even just like what you mentioned earlier, there's different cultures depending on the South, the East Coast, the Midwest. But if you go, if you go to like a smaller, more homogenous country like a Denmark or you know Sweden, like I mentioned, you're gonna see maybe more Swedish culture because most people share the same traditions and beliefs and, and practices, right? So for me, it was I don't think I've ever really identified with American culture. Like certainly there are some things that are considered American, like individualism capitalism things like that and even i reject a lot of those things but i definitely identified more with my cultural roots than identifying with an american culture because there's more there you can grasp onto almost yeah and like say that's me and also like say like well of course it's me because that's how i grew up yeah and you talk about pride and i think there is something to having pride in ancestors Uh, maybe this is just me but it's just life was really hard for yeah. the vast majority of yeah. humans existence and you know we're all a result of our ancestors surviving right. and it's it's like just pride in individuals even and like yeah where did they come from and, mm-hmm. and you know i love history did you know that i don't know if i mentioned I, no yeah. <laughs> yeah tell me more yeah i <laughs> love history so uh, like just thinking about history context of where my ancestors were at different times and what that must have been like and what it must have taken to get me to where i am to a relatively posh life mm-hmm. here in minneapolis like it's that's an interesting thing maybe american culture is the fact that individuals all have different cultures i know that doesn't it sounds pretty simplistic saying it but it was just something i thought of like what is american culture it's so hard to define mm-hmm. maybe our culture is cool that we can all say hey here's where i come from and we can all mesh that together maybe like the culture of america is the fact that different cultures can coexist mm-hmm. relatively well and i should say of course there's a hierarchy that right. has been created right and our ancestry or our cultures are higher on that hierarchy than east african let's say mm-hmm. because of white supremacy mm-hmm. and, and all of those things but generally we're we're coexisting within different cultures maybe that's really what america is all about yeah well that's what makes america unique in a lot of ways and yeah i think you know there's obviously a lot of countries where there's you know a lot of immigrants have settled there but america is clearly it's, it's a mashup of cultures which is pretty unique compared to other countries that have stayed relatively homogenous wouldn't it be cool if that's what our pride in America was? Like, what? Like, we're proud yeah. that we have so many people from so many different backgrounds. Wouldn't that just solve a lot of problems? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no, but no, American pride is this undefinable thing yeah. that people just latch onto. It all comes back to race, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I just keep getting back to race. Like, you just cling mm-hmm. on to this. It was colonized by Europeans created a racial hierarchy and all of a sudden American culture has become white culture in many cases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of Europe has relatively similar cultures compared to Africa or Asia Mm -hmm. and South America. And because that's where the vast majority of our immigrants came from, American cultures become like, oh, let's lump all of ourselves into white and and we're all American Mm -hmm. and Mm rah-rah. When if we thought about how we're all coming from different parts of the world. And if we were really proud that we are this place where all these different backgrounds can exist, it could change the way you think about the United States. That's something to be Mm -hmm. really proud of. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious, how would you define white culture? If there is such a thing, like 
And there is, you know, people yeah. say there's white culture. Yeah. And, like, how would you define it and describe it? I would define it in the United States as, you know, it's a term that is it still used dominant culture, like the dominant culture of essentially what my understanding of what that means is it's the, the culture that has the power Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like we, you know how we lump together all the different ethnicities into one black race for the economic reason of slavery Mm -hmm. and then to create a racial hierarchy. We did the same with white people. Mm -hmm. We lumped, everybody from from europe into a white culture a white group a white race mm-hmm. and that wasn't always the case you point out the irish that's a well-cited example of they were discriminated against when the irish got here so were the poles so were slavox like you have a lot mm-hmm. of different groups that that were discriminated against mm-hmm. but that's all gone away and now it's just we've lumped up into a white yeah. a white race so, you know, I think, yeah, I said white culture. That doesn't exist, I guess. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Amer- I just think, I always think of dominant, the dominant culture. I think of the fact that what, because Europeans were gained control, brought over their cultural norms, fairly similar, assimilated together, grabbed on the power, held on to power. Mm-hmm. And then with that, were superior. They told themselves they were superior and suppressed every other people. Mm-hmm. It, it it, it, to me, it always boils back down to race, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, I just think it, it's a, it shows that humans really struggle with complexity. You know, it's yeah. like white culture, I think, is an attempt to, and even the concept of race is an attempt to lump people together in big groups mm-hmm. when it's just, it's just not how humans work. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah, there's no such thing as white culture, even American culture, and even, you know, even culture in general is like, let's lump everyone into one big group so we can easily kind of categorize people. It's yeah. just not. It's just not the way, because even the example you gave in Guinea, you have people who, I don't know anything about Guinea, but you have people who live in a, the same country and, you know, but yet even there, there's three very distinct groups yeah, and they find ways to be afraid of difference and to argue over difference and to say, well, I'm better than you. So yeah, it's just, it, it's really difficult for human beings to, to deal with the complexity that human beings are different and unique. And we want to, in order to quote unquote, simplify things, like try to lump people together. Right. But in the case of, of race and whiteness, it was, it wasn't for simplicity's sake. It was for obviously economic gain and for, for power. Yeah. Even like digging into culture, our own cultural roots, it can get messy digging into like, you know, even for me, like I have influences from two very different cultures, Yeah, you know? So, so then the question is, what is my culture? Right. That's a question that lots of people struggle with. Yeah. And I'm not going to say, especially white people, but like for me, it seems like very, very difficult to, to say definitively, this is my culture, Yeah, you know? And, and, and that's, you know, what, what you referenced earlier, we all search for belonging and a group to be a part of and to, to not feel like we have that group is it's a very difficult place to be in yeah so we all are striving for like a cultural identity and that's that, why it's easy to say american exactly like proud to be american without being able to really define yeah exactly what that means it, it's hard isn't mm. it it's, it's hard to describe what this country yeah what our culture is you know my culture you know maybe we can compare because you and i are yeah. white men in midwest america yeah and my background is Irish and not like the where all white people claim to be Irish because they want to be. <laughs> it's actually, I'm yeah. quite Irish. Come St. Patrick's Day, everybody's Irish <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, right. No, totally. It was funny. I, I asked my parents, I'm like, what's our heritage? And I had a great aunt or a, my dad's cousin, maybe. Anyway, 
who did like a huge binder that my dad gave me. We had me. a binder too. Yeah, to like go huge. He like <laughs> traveled to Ireland and got the, Yeah. So I'm very Irish. I'm very Czech and I'm very German. Mm. So like I come from that that realm. I'm more Germanic and Slavic. Mm. The Czech and German. You know that's the ethnicities, right? Yep. It's like Slavic is Czech, Germanic mm. is German, and I have Luxembourg, mm. which is German as well. Yeah. Um, but then Irish. And it was interesting looking into those cultures. It kind of combining them defines me kind of well, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if it's just happenstance or like coincidence, but you know, if you think about Czech and Germans, Czech especially are like very prompt, very Hmm. professional and uh, very formal. Mm. And then you have like the Irish mm. who are super smiley. Mm. It's funny how it just says like smiles is like a way for Irish people to communicate and like a little bit more laid back. And then the Germans are kind of like the Czech, not so serious, but very prompt. Like mm. if you're late to anything, like all yeah. these. And I'm like, man, that is like all of those things combined. I, I'm kind of like that. I'm like mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. like time management kind of person. And then I have the Irish smiley side of me yeah. as well. I thought that was interesting. And I don't know how that really, it, it did add a little bit of depth. I think this conversation is nice for me too, because... Maybe what American culture is, as we were saying, is like valuing other people's ancestry and where we all came from and how that meshes well together and take a lot of good things from other cultures. And, you know, I love German food. I love German beer. Mm-hmm. I love Irish food. I love Irish beer. Like, <laughs> I've got, you yeah. know, it's it's like that's kind of cool to know that my ancestors came from there. Mm-hmm. And I think that does impact my identity. You know, I'm still white. I'm still a cisgender white man in America. Mm-hmm. But, like, it helps, I think, my identity a little bit to know where I came from because that's what formed us into how we are Mm -hmm. people who come from different cultures you know you and i like i said we're both white cisgender males in america we have different backgrounds different things we're proud of or cling to or think are cool Mm -hmm. my earliest ancestors came over in like 1830 and that's another thing that stuck out to me is how young our country is yeah like my my ancestors came here 50 years after the Revolutionary War. Like, wow. like they met people who fought in the Revolutionary War. Wow. My ancestors, they formed a town in southern Minnesota and made it into like a bustling transport hub on the James River. I think it's James River. On one of the rivers. That's cool. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, yeah, our country is so young. If I just for like if I was like all that other stuff prior to them coming here doesn't matter, that would seem like I was wasn't digging in really right. deep, you know? Yeah, how, I'm just curious. Like, how did it how did it help you develop a positive identity to make you think about yourself differently? You know, I think so. Just I think it's nice to know where I, where I came from. Let's say I started my identity in 1830. It's like that's not even 200 years of knowing where I came from, which would make me feel disconnected from humanity. So I think from that sense of knowing kind of as far, you know, generations and generations, generations back, just why I'm even here, I think is nice to know. And when I think about white people in America, it's like, how do I come to terms with thinking about what white people did that changed the world? what my ancestors did that I'm really proud of, like starting a town in Minnesota and turning it into a trading hub. 
but then knowing all the people of color that were suppressed and slavery mm. and how it wasn't equitable and all the things that, you know, it's not the same for other people who aren't white. Yeah. You know? It sounds like you're starting to differentiate culture and race. Because yeah. when I think when I hear you talking about all the bad things that have happened that maybe your answers have done, it's it's more influenced by race and the, and what the construct of race influenced people to do mm-hmm. and less about culture. Yeah, yeah, I'm right? getting... I always come back to, to race, I think. I think when I think of the United States, I think of I am a part of the white supremacist culture in the United mm-hmm. States mm-hmm. and I want to help to break that down. That is what I identify with the most. <laughs> So if I just try to focus on Mm. culture, I still always get back to race. Yeah. You know, it's just so hard to define. You know, you have things in the United States like barbecues and culture of hunting. And there's things Mm. about our culture that I don't love. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just so hard to define. And and I always just get back to, well, I can tell you what I am. I'm a white man Mm -hmm. in America. And well, but what I'm noticing, and this is what I noticed for myself, too. What I'm noticing in you is when you talk about whiteness, you start to get like, ah, damn it, this sucks. Yeah. But when you talk about your culture, you're like, oh, these are, this is kind of cool. Yeah. I think that's the difference to, to hone in on. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot more opportunity to find pride in culture than than we really should find in race. Because, yeah. again, race is something constructed. We shouldn't really find a lot of pride or depth of that because we should dismantle it. Right. So we shouldn't identify with something that should go away. Right? You know what I mean? It was created to be evil and it should go away. So, yeah, you can't really have pride in it. Right. right. Which is so, but, but when you talk about culture, where your ancestors came from, things they did outside of race, which is hard to do. Yeah. Right. And, and not as something I'm saying we should do because race is part of everything. But, but I just noticed there's a difference in you when you start talking about culture versus when you're talking about race. Yeah. Like a difference in your body language and your tone of voice. And that's what I'm trying, I think what this episode was about and just starting the journey into that we can find some pride in some things and that's not necessarily in our racial identity. Right. Although I think we, you know, obviously we're doing this podcast to get to the point where we can be proud to be white because of how we choose to act and be in the context of race. Culture is something that influences us. We didn't have, we didn't have any decision or, or influence over it. It's, it is who we are. And so, you know, for me, it's it's like, why not find some pride in it? I think what I'm learning through our conversation is I have to define whatever my culture in America means. Mm. I guess for me... I can't just rest on the fact that my ancestors came from Ireland and Germany and the Czech Republic and feel great about that. You know, there's like there has to be something more. Hmm. And if I don't think of American culture, which I live in now, it's almost like I don't want to live in the past. You Hmm. know, I don't want to just be like loving that I can have corned beef and haddish, (laughs) is it corned beef haddish, whatever, every year. Like there, there has to, maybe the, uh, an overall American culture doesn't exist, but there has yeah. to be a culture here, even if it's in my town. But yeah. we can say the Twin Cities. I think that'd be fair to say. My family's been in the Twin Cities for quite some time. Maybe I can feel pride in that or work towards that. I can't mm-hmm. just sit and be like, all of American culture is terrible. And mm-hmm. I only ascribe to my Germanic culture. Like mm-hmm. there, I you know there are parts about the United States that are good, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that's bad. Right. And I yeah. I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's the culture one's tricky. 
You know, yep. I, I'm proud of Minnesota. If I don't think about the racial disparities, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> which I <laughs> will like, always get to greatest achievement gap. Yeah. So like, let, okay, you know, I always get back to race, don't I? That's the thing. Yeah. Is like that's the caveat on the United States yeah. of America is we yeah. can say this is great, but there's but. always the lingering. We yeah. have effed up so hard with creating racial disparities. Yeah. And, and and creating a racial hierarchy. And that has been our DNA forever. So it's really hard to say I'm really proud of this or that because that's always lingering because you know that whatever you're proud in as a white man mm-hmm. is not good for somebody yeah. else. Yep. You know? So it, it's, hmm. it's tricky. Yeah. That's a really compelling statement there that I think speaks to why folks like you and me struggle with identity. No matter how we think about it, it comes back to our identity is responsible for, not our personal identity, I guess, but who, who we identify with is responsible for so much bad in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me, like simply what I want to get to, to have like a positive cultural identity is, and this is, I mean, I simplify it's like so much, but I want to get to a place where I'm able to not feel guilty for certain like practices or, you know, acting certain beliefs I have built based on my culture. So like, let me give you a very, very simple example. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to eat lefsa without feeling guilt or shame. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it seems like a stretch, but like, again, kind of what, what you're talking about. Like, lefsa is a very Scandinavian thing, which means white. And a white immediately to guilt and shame. Mm. So so right. so it's a, it's a very short path to doing something that is not inherently bad, which is eating lefsa. But it's a very short path from that to guilt and shame. And be like, well, I don't want to be caught eating lefsa or be seen eating lefsa. Because someone's going to be like, oh, that's a white thing and white's bad and, and you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I, I think it's not only okay, but it, it, it's healthy to be able to say lefsa, eating lefsa, wearing a Norwegian sweater, playing playing pond hockey or something like that. Like, that's a good thing and I enjoy it and I'm proud of it. Yeah, it's part of my culture. It's a part of my culture. Yeah. It's not a part of hmm. my race per se. And it's this, it's this sort of like cognitive dissonance that's so difficult to deal with because race and culture are so inextricably linked especially, well, not especially for white, it doesn't matter what your race is, it always is linked. But I think there is a space, and I don't know what it feels like or looks like, to be able to be proud of your culture. And also to to look at the, the both the good and bad parts of your culture. But to be able to say, like, I'm proud to be, you know, have Norwegian roots. Yeah. And not feel like a that, that like feeling of shame in your stomach. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I want to get there to be able to say I'm proud to be an American. Yeah. And feel great about that. Because yeah. I think it's hard right now. Yeah. If we're being honest with ourselves as white people, I love the idea of this country. And we've done good in the world. Mm-hmm. We really have. Mm-hmm. And we've done a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. And I think the racial hierarchy and suppression of people of color is the worst. There's a lot of things up there. Mm-hmm. But how can, can I get to a point <laughs> where I say I'm proud to be American? Like that's more important to me than saying I'm proud to be Irish or I'm Hmm. proud to be German. I want to be able to say I'm proud to be American. I love what this country stands for. I love Mm -hmm. what it's given to me. I'm very lucky, but it doesn't give it to people who aren't white men in the same way. And so like, what can we, what can I do to love it? A, we, we want to make it better. That's why we're doing this, right? Right. Like, we're doing this podcast. We want to make society better and more equitable for everybody. So it's it's interesting. I think the pre-American thing for me, I think you can put in the cool category. Like, it's cool. It's cool that I'm, my ancestors are from Ireland. Hmm. But it doesn't help me hmm. 
identify or my own positive yeah. identity too Interesting. much. I don't know if it just must be me. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people share the same thing. That's kind of that's kind of interesting how that's how it kind of played out. Like personally, I agree. Yeah, I'd also like to be proud of me an American, but it was yeah kind of different for me. It was more like I was able to develop a more positive identity thinking about my roots than than thinking about what it means to be American. But well, yeah. So what would what would I guess my my question to you is what would need to happen for yeah, you to say right. fully and you know without any hesitation like I'm proud to be American? Yeah. Well, we'd have to get rid of the racial hierarchy. <laughs> step one. Yeah. <laughs> No, but um, it's hard these days. This is 2021. We started this in 2020. We're starting off 2021 now. It's a very tumultuous time right now in mm-hmm. our country. So the conversations are very apt. You know, it's tumultuous politically. It's tumultuous racially. It's mm-hmm. tumultuous in many ways. What would make me proud is if I start to see this country just move in a more equitable way and it's you know race the racial hierarchy is not going to be non-existent in our lifetime but we can do a lot of good like overnight Mm -hmm. with different policies and you know ibram kendi and how to be an Mm anti-racist he defines being an anti-racist and racism around the idea of policy Mm -hmm. i love that Mm-hmm. You know, you're supporting racist policy or racist ideas because at the end of the day, you know, it's the policies and it's the ongoing ideas that are infecting people's lives. And I, you know, what would make me proud is if we could have open discussions about race and like mm-hmm. be like, we are acknowledging that our race, we are, we are, we have a white supremacist history. We've acknowledged it. Here are policies that we're going to make this more equitable. I want affirmative action to come back and not have the stigma of people who are saying that it's taken jobs away from me, the white man, but have different policies like that 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 make society more equitable. I think that that off the cuff yeah. is what would make me proud to be American. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a culture shift. Yeah, I mean, right. you're just, just right. talking about race is a culture shift. You're talking about an aspiring towards where all people share that. Yeah. Which is what culture is. Like, all mm. people share this tacit agreement that we're going to talk about race. Yeah. And we're going to create policies that are anti-racist. So that, re- that requires that all people agree to that. Right. And if all people's impossible, which it is, is there like a threshold? <laughs> is right. it like, you know, the majority of? Yeah. Well, there must be because it goes into our education curriculum. Right. Yeah. Well, there must be a threshold because right now we've crossed the threshold where white supremacy is the dominant culture. You know, what we're striving for is that that to flip. Right. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what the threshold is, but clearly, like you said, it's becomes institutionalized and and systemic Mm -hmm. where it is just the way things are. You can't just like with culture, you can't. It's hard to shift. Yeah. Like you can't just like overnight say right. like we're going to shift the culture. It's that powerful and that strong and that entrenched. Right. So just as we have that white supremacy culture that's so entrenched in our country right now, it's possible, obviously, because it or it was done for white supremacy. It's possible to do the, I don't know if it's the opposite, right. but do something different and say like, no, we're, we're going to create policies in our education system, in our law enforcement system, in our healthcare system where it's anti-racist and it's equitable. Right. And that's all, you know, and then like when white people hear the opposite of white supremacy, they'll think black supremacy and then they'll become defensive. And it's like, that's not the point. No. I love what you said. I think the first episode we ever had was the first time I've ever heard of it. And I've thought about it just about every day (laughs) since is when you're used to privilege, Privilege. equality feels like oppression. It's just so perfectly spot on. Yep. Yep. And that's what white people are dealing with right now. If we can somehow get away from that and just 
recognize that equality and equity mm-hmm. are going to make your life better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the hard thing. White people think it's going to flip flop. Right. It's not. It's yeah. going to make everyone's life yeah. better. When everyone in society is equal, everyone's life gets better. Yeah, it's a really important point. You said that some people, and I think maybe some listeners, do believe that, that, that the opposite of white supremacy is black supremacy, and that's what we're moving towards. No, of course not. And you have a writer like Ibram Kendi who would vehemently say, no, right. we're not moving towards black supremacy because that just perpetuates racism. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're moving, yeah, what we're moving for is, is equitable and 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 dismantling like you said the racial hierarchy but the whole idea like racism is about a totemization of of race yeah one is better than the other or there's a whole list yeah ranked order so yeah we're not we're not moving towards black supremacy or any other sort of supremacy we're not moving to any sort of supremacy period right right and then we can extend it to to gender too right Mm -hmm. like clearly there's a their hierarchy with with gender right yeah I i think that's it's important to be clear about that we opened up some, I opened up some floodgates for my brain. I don't know how Ooh. you're feeling, but it's flowing Even right more? Now. It's flowing. <laughs> and maybe we take time to think about this. Yeah. For me, what I want to think about is American culture. What that means for me, what that might mean for you, yeah. and continue this conversation around how that impacts our identity. I like that aspirational conversation, and I think that's really important too to create a positive identity because it's positive identity isn't isn't just about who came before me that made me who I am, but a positive identity is who do I want to be, you know? Yeah. Which I think is what you're talking about. Right. Who, who, if we were gonna proudly say I'm an American and it's my culture, well, what does that look like? And I think you know, there's some things to carry over from what founding fathers. The people who created the documents, you know, for this country, what they talked about. But there's a lot of that to let go of, and some new things to to bring into place. Yeah, a lot of ways, it's it's the whole point of this podcast, right? Like, what does it mean, you know, to be white men? What does that look like? What does that identity look like? And it's creating. It seems like creating not from scratch, but creating an identity that we can be like, hey, I'd be proud of that. Right. I like the aspirational angle as well. So we should pick that up next time. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to The Modern White Man. Please follow us on Twitter at The Modern White Man for updates on new episodes, and please feel free to shoot us a note with questions or thoughts for future episodes. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and share, both individually and on social media. That's how we get the most traction. After all, the more white men that have these conversations, the better.